Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, we follow a hero once rotund. See a transfer of power that might leave you stunned. And Marvel really hopes the fans haven't become numbed. That's right, we're talking Thor, Love, and Thunder. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined, as always, by Andrew Knuckles. Hello there. And Joel Killingsworth. General Kenobi? <laughs> no? Hello. Well, All right. Hello. Fine. Yeah. There we go. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us for this episode, we have a special guest, Ryan. D- oh, no. I forgot his name. <laughs> Dan Lee. Dan Lee. <laughs> Delaney was totally Del- my option. <laughs> just, just say Ryan. <laughs> and I'll say Denley every time. <laughs> I'm going to start doing it. Yes, we can. We don't need to restart that. No, 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 it's, just, no it's just that's it's just, just what happened. it is. Yeah. It happened. Hello, Ryan. Hey, What's Mr. Up, Delaney. How's it going? <laughs> Gosh. I get Delaney a lot. I, I don't know yeah. where that came from. Boy, I'm it is hard stuff. I mean, out of the years that we've been podcasting, you've never messed up my last name once, which is impressive. It's Knuckles. That's easy. It's, yeah, I just, I look at you like He's Sonic. He's the coolest no, not character quite. from Knuckles. the Sonic I get, games. I get <laughs> Nucles, Knucklos, Knuckles, which is completely wrong. <laughs> that's doesn't even a, lot, that's a lot of effort, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's moving on into <laughs> something that's almost sort of relevant to what we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about Love and Thunder just yet. Uh, we're going to talk about something related to it, though, because we did like it. We're going to talk about some cinematic reels, some openings or and or closing credit reels that we really liked and appreciated because, spoilers, uh, Love and Thunder might have a good one. Who yep. wants to take this first? Not me. I'll go ahead and take it. Okay. Uh, I brought a classic piece of Disney animation uh, for consideration, and that is uh, the animated film 101 Dalmatians. Yes. The opening credits, and this is back when, you know, by acting guild rules, the credits had to be all up front at the beginning of the film so that the audience is force fed all of the, <laughs> the well, credits and they have to acknowledge everyone who, you know, did job worked on the film and worked on the film. So, like, yeah. there, it's definitely for a reason, um, but it's it's at the beginning of a piece and your audience has to sit through that. And so it was handled very artistically and with with a lot of intention. And um, in this case, you know, they went ahead and they introduced you to uh, the tone of the piece through the overture and um, kind of a display of the animation with the little paw prints mm-hmm. going everywhere. It mm-hmm. kind of g- yeah. gave you an introduction to some of the character models uh, of the, the dogs. How the world's going to look. Yeah. And so it was a a really nice, I mean, it served that film the way that an overture at the beginning of an opera or something like that serves that piece of media where you, Mm. you get a sampling of what you're about to receive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll go next. We'll just go up in a, in a, an ascending scale because I'm I'm pretty sure I am next. You are. Yes. Yes. I'm last. Um, So the thing I love about intros or, or endings is that it really gives you a window into the, the tone and feel of a piece of media that you're about to kind of watch. And uh, one of my favorites is Goldfinger from James Bond. And you have the, these, this, Heart-pounding score from Shirley Bassey, also Goldfinger is just the name of the song, 
Uh, and then you get um, uh, basically this, these um, motifs and silhouettes of, of very pretty girls uh, that are basically painted gold with the projector of, um, of all the characters and different scenes from the film uh, kind of projected onto them over a black background. Mm. And you have this, you know, really powerful song while this is kind of happening. And it really sets the tone for this film being probably one of the most quintessential James Bond films of all time. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether you like Sean Connery or not as, a, as James Bond or whether you like the older films compared to, you know, Daniel Craig or whatever, this is still one of those films where everyone knows Goldfinger because of how iconic one the film is the gadgets odd job you know like everything mm -hmm. like that but then you also have just amazing music by shirley bassey and this just fantastic opening sequence that really kind of um set the trend for basically all of the other james bond films to to ever come out after it because like dr no didn't really have one if i remember correctly and then mm -hmm. from russia with love was it it was kind of in the same light yeah. but it wasn't as like um uh honed in as this one was yeah one yeah. too like you could probably show somebody that intro to goldfinger mm -hmm. and it would just be like this is what the 60s bonds were like yeah this is what the connery bonds yeah and, and a good, yeah it's like, just like a time piece. capsule yeah. yeah yeah right i'll go next uh i went with the 1998 anime cowboy bebop oh man um, perfect See, if Ryan went after me, that would have implied that he chose the live action. He would have been wrong. I would have been very wrong. On that. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, man. Don't, no, no. Uh, we don't speak of that. Um, <laughs> but we did. You can check out our episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to hear this. Plug the material. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember, uh, you know, the first time I saw that, that anime, it was on like Toonami. I remember catching it like late at night, you know, when it was on in the early 2000s in America. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember like just that theme song, like Tank by Yoko Kano and just the way they animate it. It's such a very cool like, and again, they don't really use a lot of like scenes from the show or anything. Mm -hmm. It's all made, you know, for, for, the, for, for the this opening. opening. Yeah. And I would say, you know, it's to me at least one of my favorite, if not my favorite anime opening, uh, mm -hmm. just because it encapsulates kind of like Goldfinger, everything you need to know about the show without having showing you, showing you the yeah. show or showing you anything from the show it's just kind of like this is the mood piece that kind of like yeah is representative of the whole thing and like just the silhouettes and like the way it moves and you know very film noir yeah it's it's very much so like hey this is the style that you're gonna get it, yeah. it doesn't tell you anything about the story gives you a little idea what the main characters look like or you get the silhouettes yeah yeah and, and their vehicles and these kind of things but mostly it's just hey this show is going to have style and it's this. And, yeah. and, and anime historically has a very bad habit of, um, of showing you like one scenes from like the show, but then also spoiling things. Oh, so I'm watching uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood right now. Oh. And, like I skip the intro a lot because yeah. like I'll see and the ending, the ending, because I'll, I'll be like, I don't, I haven't got that far. Whoop. <laughs> you know, because they just start showing scenes that haven't happened yet. Mm. That's from later in the season, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, man, but yeah, with, with the, you know, the Bebop intro, it's like one of the only things I don't skip. Yep. You know, like mm -hmm. when I'm rewatching a show or oh, something. That, that is what, that is every time it every hits, time. I'm like, oh, I gotta watch the whole thing. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let yeah. It wash over lay, me. lay that jazz on me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess that just leaves me. And I went with The Adventures of Tintin. That's the 2011 movie. Uh, and so it is because they only have the one movie or I think they're coming out with a second one. I believe that they're coming out with a second one. Or it's, it's, it's at least planned. There, there was. Yeah. 
there was word that it was going to happen at some point. Right. Whether it still happens, who knows? So, so because you have the one movie and there's, you know, 30 plus comic books of Tintin, mm-hmm. they kind of mishmash some storylines in the actual movie itself. So as kind of a, an homage, not just in that, in the opening, you get this really great, it's very much a kind of silhouette, very iconic. You immediately know who these characters are. And you kind of follow Tintin through a lot of other adventures that won't be in the movie, but that if you, you know, read the comics, you'd recognize this character or this scene or this, you know, car or whatever. Yeah. And it's all kind of played around the actual cast names as it comes in, you know, produced by and like, you know, Tintin and Snowy land on the two different words and they fall out underneath them and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it's a John Williams score. So you can already kind of have, you can hear it in your head because it's John Williams. We all yeah. know what it sounds like. Uh, but it's this great little run of just kind of adventure and you see all these, you know, silhouettes of iconic characters and moments that aren't really going to happen in the movie. But it also kind of at the same time, they run like the newspaper reel of, you know, various stories Tintin's broke as kind of providing almost a little background to the character already. Yeah. 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 Before you get into the movie. And I, I think it's really important that that the that those kind of intros do kind of give you a little bit of extra information about mm-hmm. your character sometimes because it. It one unless you um, you know kind of relate to them pretty early on, uh, or at least understand kind of like oh this is an easy way to tell someone's backstory without mm-hmm. having to actually tell you. Right, it saves a lot of writing in the, f- I, the actual film. Yeah, and I, and I would say that there's potential for that to be used not not for characters but for the world or the situation. Mm-hmm. What whatever yeah. it is that is the most critical piece of information that you need your audience to understand. Before the story can start. Yes. Yeah. And and then you don't have to waste time with exposition. Yeah. Because it's already there. Every, like if you if you watch the intro, unless you're Joel, then oh. um, <laughs> he watches it once every Shots time. That's fine. Uh, but, you, no, I mean, but basically, <laughs> uh, you know, if you, if you watch the intro, then you're going to have that information yeah. already. And it's going to help Pro- build onto that story. Provided it's a good intro. Sometimes uh, the intro tells you too much. I don't need to know that. Yeah. Well, like, I think all the intros we picked kind of do that similar thing of like they mm-hmm. show you something or well, inform you in some way they, they about. set the stage right yeah. yeah yeah and that's that's obviously a very crucial critical thing because sometimes you end up in very outlandish places where you may not totally understand what the uh forces and whatnot at for at work maybe you know we have we'll get quota right now we have classic the star wars scroll <laughs> where it's just hey read this and figure out how the universe <laughs> works dummy <laughs> And sometimes you don't get something like that, and you just have to kind of figure out the universe as you go, which takes us to Thor, yeah. Love and Thunder. And I think we need a little bit of understanding what's going on, and that means it's time for a synopsis. Okay, so this is the fourth uh, standalone Thor film in the MCU. Which is actually pretty crazy just by itself. I think it's the longest running I'm pretty I, sure it is, only got Iron single Man only movie. Got three. Yeah. 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 Uh, so... You know, we've got quite a bit of history with the character because he's mm-hmm. also in like all of the Avengers projects and, and all of that stuff. So at this point in Thor's life, he has basically lost his entire family and his home of Asgard was destroyed. The remnants of his people are living on a, a small colony on Earth. And he has gone through this whole cycle of of coming to terms with his own failure in like the the end game uh, mm-hmm. stuff and he's just kind of vibing and trying to figure out who he is right 
and he's just kind of kicking around the universe with the Guardians of the Galaxy. That where we that's where we left him off uh, at in Endgame, mm-hmm. and uh, we we so he is at this point more or less a um, an iconic hero. He's not really undergoing any more growth or change. He just kind of hit this state. Yeah, he is who he's crystallized. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the actual plot of the film centers around. Uh, both uh, Jane Foster, who Doctor Doctor Jane Foster, who <laughs> um, it was it was already already handled in the the um, trailers that she ends up with Mjolnir and and gains Thor's powers somehow, uh, and so that's uh, well I, actually Mysteriously. actually that's one of the parts of the movies that does make sense. Actually, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, but then uh so that's like one one half of it with that that stuff's going on and then you have the villain of the piece who uh he gets a special weapon and he goes on a god killing spree and he's just going to wipe out all of the gods which Thor is ostensibly one of and so he objects. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the premise of the movie. Yeah. Thor objects. <laughs> so what do our uh, so our scores, which we have two of, we have a technical review score and an entertainment value. And the technical review is an average across our four pillars of review, that being spectacle, performance, score, being the music, and plot. And uh, both of our scores are actually very, very similar this time. Usually they're relatively close, but they can be quite different today. They are almost identical at a 6.4 technical score and a 6.3 entertainment Values uh, not the hottest not not no 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 nope. nope. no <laughs> there have been better yep and there, that is that is out of that is out of 10 that's not out of five stars so yeah. <laughs> 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 interestingly enough i think uh we got pretty close to critic scores in this uh last time i checked on rotten tomatoes it was like a 68 percent okay which yeah obviously that's not how rotten tomatoes does it but it's still fun that we're kind of in that realm mm-hmm. yeah you know, rotten tomatoes is a is a binary yes or no yeah. basically it's yeah. like did i like it did i not like it we have a little bit more in-depth review do we want do we want some scores from ryan yeah my uh technical score was a seven entertainment was a six on okay. pace so, so it's, 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 to, it's roughly yeah. in there yeah 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 he he could he didn't have the um, benefit of averaging into anyone, so he he's restricted <laughs> to whole numbers. <laughs> I'm restricted to the well, whole I, number. Yeah. I, I was I was wondering because you know like we have our spreadsheet, and then you're just kind of out on your on your own little <laughs> island here. I was because I, I was wondering how black you and moon just yeah. liked the film. Um, well, you know now. Well, I know now. I we'll mean, know more later, though. Yeah. Uh, so this movie feels like it was. Taika Waititi or just MCU in general just trying way too hard. Yeah. It felt. Well, I'm going to kick this off with some numbers first. Sure, go ahead. Before we really get into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stats, 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 stats. Anyways. Uh, so for the weekend domestic gross on opening weekend, 143 million, which is more than Thor Ragnarok at 123. Mm-hmm. less than Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness at 185. And of course, it doesn't have the benefit of connecting to anything else here. As yeah, far as we know. I, mean, I mean, it does have the benefit of connecting to Ragnarok, which was wildly popular. Wildly popular, mm-hmm. but obviously didn't make as much as... Uh, right, well, fo- follow-ups to wildly popular films are always going to be more financially right. successful than, than the original because you've got the hype going into yeah. opening weekend mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to, well, if this is just an absolutely great film that kind of hit out of nowhere... 
then you're gonna it's gonna be the subsequent weeks that right. you get a lot you have of like that a revenue. slow burn. Yeah. So so they are 302 million total gross as of recording this, including international, mm-hmm. with an estimated 250 million production and 100 million promotion. So they're right at break even, just out of the gate almost. Yeah, I mean, it's an MCU film. It is always going to be a success for financially, financially at this point. Yeah. Um, just because the, Man, the machine, I'm, I am not comfortable making that assertion. If they keep going the way they are in another well, two years, well, they, they want. Yeah, I mean, like if if you can t- keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results, then you know, yeah, it's, it's insanity. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It, this movie just felt like it was trying way too hard for for what you kind of got out of it. I don't yeah. know. I mean, someone someone else. Help okay, me so here. <laughs> I think that like the the best way for me to encapsulate it, right, is that like going into Thor Ragnarok, I had very low expectations. Yeah, right, coming out of right. Thor to the Dark World, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it looks the trailer looks fun. Maybe it'll be okay, you know. And then I was very pleasantly surprised. With yeah, because it was unexpected. Mm-hmm. Right, going into this, I was highly excited because I liked Ragnarok so much and I was let down because of that. Yeah. You know, and I think the, for me, the, the thing that like I, I took away cause we, uh, I saw it like on Saturday and then I rewatched Ragnarok Sunday. Oh, okay. Cause I was like, maybe I'm misremembering how good Ragnarok is. Maybe Ragnarok just hit so good yeah. because it was unexpected. You know, like maybe I, I wasn't really, mm-hmm. I was just su- surprised. Watch it again. No, it's very solid. <laughs> And I think where if if you like Ragnarok, you got to go into this with a different mindset. Like this is just a big fun eat popcorn kids action movie for Marvel. Like yeah. if, if you're expecting because Ragnarok to me the jokes hit way more consistently. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, I feel like the overall one of the overall issues is it tries to be like Ragnarok, but there's just like it's like the shotgun approach. They're just throwing every joke it, they can. It, at the it felt like one out of every five jokes was, yeah. was funny. Every now and then it hits, and it's like oh that like that. But then there's like two or three things that like and tonally it kind of shifts very sloppily. Whereas I feel like Ragnarok, not to just keep comparing it to Ragnarok, but it is directly <laughs> oh, it's made by Taika Waititi. It's you yeah. know it's he basically re invented how we look at thor in that movie Mm -hmm. you know and it like it it's like it can't quite capture the same feeling that that one did so if if, to me if if you're listening and you liked ragnarok go into this with like some lowered expectations (laughs) (laughs) i still think you can enjoy this movie i still think there's there's stuff here that you could you could like it's just it doesn't hit it doesn't feel as polished and is like they needed another pass at like Every part of this movie, basically. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna grab the ball of comparison to Ragnarok <laughs> yeah. and talk about it from a different perspective because okay. I I did not like Ragnarok at all. Okay. Um. You you you're talking about tone of this film and yeah. and my main problem with Ragnarok was also tone. Yeah. Um. I felt that the tone of presentation, you know, with all the jokes and the ridiculousness of the situation, um, was really at odds with the subject matter involved. Right. Absolutely. You've yeah. you've got the the most compelling and dramatic that the character of Bruce Banner has ever been. And he's completely thrown away as a joke in the whole film. You've got this really cosmically impactful event of Asgard itself being destroyed and the civilization of Asgard being brought to its knees into a tiny remnant. And like, I mean, there's a, it's just not really mind for the drama that's there. Right. Mm. And so 
at the at the time when I first watched it, I I remember feeling that uh, I would have been really happy with this movie if it was just about something else, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And with this film, so I went into this film with extremely low expectations because I just expected the same experience again. Yeah. And so I was pleasantly surprised when the tone matched the content. <laughs> See, I would, I would say that for me with Ragnarok, it, it didn't really get serious ever. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I think what you're saying is that like, you know, the, the like Asgard being destroyed and all that stuff that happened in Ragnarok should have been handled like probably more seriously but after seeing this i don't think so (laughs) because like (laughs) i feel like the the bouncing back and forth between very serious stuff in this movie and the comedy stuff like it just didn't work for me i i I will say that i Mm -hmm. thought that there was it actually added layers to thor's character because you got through his like really early on through his interaction with uh quill and, Mm -hmm. and the guardians crew is that you know he is presenting this ridiculous air and making everything about himself and if if that's all you got you just got his part of it then you as the audience are coming along with well okay that's just the reality of this film and it's it's just stupid i don't want to watch this but you have the mirror of their responses to him and their reactions of being like, okay, you're just, you know, you just, okay. And, and with that, you can see that, you know, you're, you're, you're given a perspective in order to interpret what he's doing and how he's acting to show that he is in fact hiding from the trauma of his past and not really dealing with it and just treating it with avoidance. And so that that to me, to be able to go back and forth over the course of the film with the treating everything with avoidance to actually dealing with some of his past issues with Jane. Yeah. um, To me, added depth to the character. So I personally felt like I was being drowned in humor and or attempts at humor. Just to get to small emotional nuggets Mm -hmm. and something something I've said, at least with this group here is one of the things I appreciate about Marvel is they're very good at, you have these really intense moments and they're able to cut that a little bit with humor, right? Yeah. And this almost felt like I was just being buried in humor and then they're like, oh, we're going to cut through that with a little emotional here. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, thank God. So that's just not, yeah. I, I appreciate it from the other, the, the earlier methodology, not the latter. Well, okay. and, and there are definitely a couple couple moments in this film that, that do hit pretty hard. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that do actually have a, a really good ground of like emotional weight to them. Mm-hmm. And then it's unfortunate that then they, they just kind of choose or like, okay, now we're just going to have really like low, not low brow, because that's that's we, like saying that they're digging at some, they're they're punching down, but like, yeah. just not really high quality humor. We, we didn't stoop to fart jokes, yeah, yeah, but we were that. like a grade above it. Like at times we were flirting with it. So, mm-hmm. so it's interesting. So what I'm hearing is is whether you like the first, or I shouldn't say like whether you dislike the the Ragnarok more or Love and Thunder more has to do with whether you feel that tonal mismatch is the greater sin or tonal shifts are the greater sin. Maybe, yeah. 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 Well, or it's just a failure. There's a tone issue. Through. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I actually, like, uh, whenever we watched Ragnarok for the first time, I, I enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. thought it was a fun movie. Um, and I thought that they did a lot of the, 
you know, a lot of the humor definitely helped kind of juxtapose itself against a lot of like the heavier weighted stuff. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, like I do kind of agree that like you would you would think that, you know, Asgard being destroyed would be kind of something that would, like, that would be handled a little bit differently. And that's not the worst part of it, though. Right. Because Asgard is by definition, not relatable, right? Like it's not earth. Yeah. These people are all superhuman demigods mm-hmm. in their own right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just, it's not like uh, King Kong is destroying New York city, right? Like it's not the same, <laughs> yeah. it's not the same level of relatability. Um, but when you take uh, Bruce Banner, who's dealing with a lot of personal issues yeah, and he does just the face plant on the rainbow bridge in an obviously set up comedic moment Mm -hmm. when that failure to transform is like the culmination of the drama surrounding his character arc is a real mistreatment of, of like your assets going into a story. Yeah. Yeah. So, so moving back to love and thunder, um, I will say that, uh, Christian Bale as a bad guy was pretty fantastic. Oh yeah. It actually makes me disappointed that we're not going to get like a Thanos level set up with him as the yeah like a multi-movie yeah yeah Yeah. because he he did a great job yeah christian bell refuses to be bad in a movie and i just (laughs) i mean he's a great actor yeah and and i (laughs) i I really loved the um the costume design too yeah because like he he goes from the transformation in the in the opening scene of looking more human and Mm -hmm. then as he he goes on uh, in the later parts of the film, you've got all of these scars that he has uh, apparently off screen self-inflicted to try to get rid of the marks of devotion that are yeah. tattooed all over his body um, because now he has rejected the gods that mm-hmm. he served and is now out bent on murdering them all. Yep. Uh, so like that level of of character design visually was really pleasing. Yeah. 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 Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say you, you really felt the impact too of of the transformation of the character. You, oh, like, for sure, felt it, it felt it felt real, yeah, and mm-hmm. the yeah. kind of the diseased or, or mm-hmm. corrupted feeling from him and his his manner. And they get kind of, I think they gave him kind of some weird eyes as well. Yeah, I mean, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So the something I'd say to kind of like piggyback off of Ragnarok and this and the source material of like so the hulk like they basically tried to work in the planet hulk storyline from the comics into thor ragnarok and did i I had a friend of mine i've never read the planet hulk run so i had no like perspective of but he hated ragnarok because that's one of his favorite storylines yeah they 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 just just they watered it down yeah this movie is similar and that it basically mismashes two really epic thor runs the one with gore the god killer and jane as mighty thor into one movie and doesn't do either justice, apparently. Mm-hmm. I haven't it, read either if, one. If, read I can, I can comics, see that yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's kind of a similar thing in that, like, pick, I, I pick think, a lane and stick with yeah. it. Yeah, because yeah, both of those, given the way that they were handled, that we'll talk about after the spoiler wall. Or the God Butcher. Sorry. <laughs> Apologize. <laughs> How dare you? How uh, could you? But like, both of those have so much that can be mined from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That it's really hard to fully explore them in a single film by themselves, let alone together. Yeah. Well, I would say, and this will definitely come up more when we get past the spoiler wall, is just that like I feel like some of my complaints about Love and Thunder is that when it does try to get serious and it does try to delve into some stuff with some of the characters, it feels more like just in service of building Thor's character up or having him go through something than actually analyzing what it would be like for a pers- the person it's mm-hmm. happening to, mm-hmm. to go yeah. through. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is, again, unfortunate because 
there's a lot of stuff that could have been mined from yeah. that that mm-hmm. ends up it's more just focused yeah. through the Thor lens. And, it, and they're they're really I mean, like you would think that because Jane is one of the one of the main characters for this film that she would get a lot more than what she actually did. And it, it feels like they kind of skipped like a couple different couple different steps in her her arc that probably should have should have been she there on screen. Yeah, she wasn't presented like a main character of the film. She was presented as part of the ensemble. Yeah, yeah. which is which felt kind of like she got cheated out a I little felt bit. Like the pacing overall was weird and that like it's one of the shorter runtimes on a Marvel yes. movie. And I felt like they should have definitely added more time and had more Jane, more Valkyrie, mm-hmm. more like there was a lot of characters that I felt like we could we could do you know with more of that and from for some reason they didn't but then other scenes felt like they kind of dragged on so i just feel like the pacing was kind of weird mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know yes yeah, that's, that's going to come up for me as well because it's yeah. it's very strange where it's like this is going very fast and at the same time so slowly <laughs> well, they're, they're, i mean and this is i i hate to i hate to bring in the the bombshell because this is always the uh, the indicator of whether a movie's interesting or not but um my wife fell asleep a little bit like, <laughs> oh, half, like oh, halfway through the film oh no um she woke back up on her own volition, though. I didn't wake her up. That's something. That's, <laughs> there that's are it, lost, it lost her, but it brought her back. Brought her back. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I hate to say that, but I mean, like it definitely, there were definitely a couple moments where I'm just like, man, this is just taking forever. Yeah. And I, I look at my imaginary watch, two hairs past a freckle, and I'm like, ooh, man. <laughs> Did she wake up when Hemsworth was mostly nude? Is that what like got her to bring back her <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hello. It's me, Thor, God of Thunder. You've heard of me. I know you've been suffering under the threat of spoilers, but now that I'm here, you can rest easy. I'll hold off all the spoilery stuff while you make your escape. Get away, relax a little, eat a cheeseburger, and maybe check out the rest of Spoiler Intended's content at their website, spoilersintendedpodcast.net. Dot com. Dot com. Nailed it. But if you are brave, if you are worthy, then join me beyond the spoiler wall, where we shall revel in glorious battle. Spoilers have done too much harm for far too long. This ends here and now! Ah! <laughs> Classic Thor adventure. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed a quick little intermission. In case you didn't get the message, it is all spoilers. All the time, from here on out, we are talking spectacle, and I can't give it to Andrew first because he's yawning, so I'm going to take it myself. You know, just like I was falling asleep in the in Thor. I thought that was Holly. Thunder. Well, Holly was too, but I was definitely bored. I'm going to take this one myself. Sure, I'm start off with a seven for spectacle. Yep. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm not going to take a ton of points because I know a lot of y'all have things to say. I'm just going to throw in my one thing of doing shadow monsters is great for a horror movie. Most horror movies don't involve long combat scenes, so it's okay that you can't necessarily see every thing that's on screen. You just need the creeping dread. They went pretty horror with some of the stuff. You know, the kid, the kidnap, literal kidnapping uh, had some definite elements of horror, but Marvel needs a big CGI fest fight and shadow monsters aren't good for a CGI fest fight. And they They're, even they even had the elements to deal with it in the fact that the weapons cast light, which created color. 
right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you could have like illuminated, but some more. for whatever reason, it just didn't come through on screen. They, there are definitely ways to make shadow monsters and still have them be visible and legible on the screen. Yeah, there has to be hands down. They didn't like, do those. They didn't do that at all. When the, the village in New Asgard, that fight at night especially was like kind of hard to keep up with. Uh, well, no, and, no and it was it was so yeah. it was such a matter of fact battle. That you're just kind yeah. of like... Well, at the same time, they're trying to convey that these are space Vikings, and so they're kind of liking it, right? Like, they're, yeah, this is life and death, but it's also fun. Because like have even when, leaned into that more, when, when Mighty, Because yeah. when the Mighty Thor shows up, and she's like, there's like this boom, and, you know, the shadow monsters go flying off. You know, Thor doesn't really know what's going on yet, because he hasn't Everyone met, else met Jane. Everyone Everyone's else like, cheers. yeah, the party's happening! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. It, it just, like... There's there's one of the where there's they did a really bad job with zero tension for basically everything in this film. Oh yeah, tension was not good. Like no, not yeah. where where you're just kind of watching and you're like, well, that's a fight. He's he's fighting some and shadow that's a, over and there. That's a, and that's a tone thing, right? Like the yeah. whole it all comes back to the tone because you could have had the way that Christian Bale portrayed Gore was sort of zany a little bit like uh -huh. once he was fully corrupt mm -hmm. and everything yeah. yeah with the kids he plays almost a sort of toned down riddler from from batman returns right like yeah it's it's, it's a little over the top yeah. and and not menacing and not tension building no um that's performance though Kind and of, like kind of it's hard like, it's hard to like it's a, it's a it's a tonal decision i think right in the direction yeah. Oh, okay yeah that's a good place to put it i guess who uh, else I wants think, to go score I'll, I'll jump in I, I gave it a seven also i feel like we're gonna hit a lot of those here yeah <laughs> um and i i went back and forth on that score because i feel like there are like like the shadow monster it's a good idea mm -hmm. that like you know, the execution was questionable. And like you're saying, the tone like didn't quite fit. So like the opening scene with the guardians was like, again, there's a lot of fun action that happens in that scene. There are, you know, different points throughout the movie where like something happens that is like, you know, like when they, they hook the goats up to the front of the, the ship and they take yeah. off. That's like, a spectacle if you will you know yeah. of like just like wow that's that's like it's a ride on rainbow road it's fun right yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool but then like it it's in the middle of other stuff that like doesn't fit and doesn't quite work and like the whole like when they go to you know the um planet of the the gods and like zeus's intro and all that stuff <laughs> is like crazy you know like over the top or whatever but then it like i don't know there's just there's everything felt for me spectacle wise like a seven out of ten <laughs> like, it, all, <laughs> it all felt like nothing was like great you mm -hmm. know what i mean everything yeah. was like oh this is a cool idea you almost got there but then this one execution yeah, you just yeah you just didn't you, know, you didn't turn it hard enough mm -hmm. yeah like or you didn't yeah like something didn't quite quite click it wasn't framed you know quite right i think they they shot some of this on the volume set like the mandalorian it's kind of similar to did, like, they, did they do the whole shadow shadow realm scene on the volume who knows maybe <laughs> but i feel like there's a couple of scenes where you can see the lighting is weird and like it looks kind of flat you know like yeah and like so that for me brought spectacle down was like i think they had some solid ideas on paper and some of the stuff works some of the action is good but a lot of it is unintelligible of what's happening mm -hmm. especially the yeah. shadow monster yeah. stuff and Joel? yeah yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep the trend going and i'm gonna give it a seven i'm shocked <laughs> and i don't really have any new points per se so i'm gonna give one good little thing and one bad little thing 
And the good little thing was I loved the the golden gore in the fight oh, with, yeah, that was yeah. cool. with yeah. the the guards in the Zeus's court. And it's like all splattered right? over and, them. And there's that one moment of Valkyrie just reveling in her bloodlust as she's <laughs> being covered in the blood of her enemies. But it's gold, not red, so we can show it on screen. Yeah. <laughs> and, Put that rating low. <laughs> and so that was, that was really fun. I, I'm totally there for bloodlusty Valkyrie. It's great. Yeah. Um, and then the little nitpicky thing that just like it it hit me in the moment and was just so jarring was with the Natalie Portman's makeup for Jane Foster when she's in human form, not mighty Thor form Yeah, throughout the entire film is getting more and more sickly, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the shadowy eyes, the gaunt, gaunt face. Yeah. It, it's, it's very clear that they're depicting. She is succumbing to her disease. Mm-hmm. And then during her death scene, she has, radiant glamour yeah. makeup and <laughs> yeah. not sickly makeup and i'm like this is the moment where we needed it <laughs> yeah. yeah uh it just that annoyed me yeah andrew uh okay so i also gave it a seven Shocker. um and you should never go come out of a movie and say i think the credits were my favorite part of that film <laughs> <laughs> uh and and don't get me wrong, the credits were fantastic. Like yes, there's a like, reason we there had was those there was a lot of very good typography and and styling and everything, and it really fits the theme of the film. And I oh, yeah. I loved it. Fantastic. I shouldn't. That should not be the highlight yeah. of the film. And um, <laughs> so it's over. I'm so but, happy. <laughs> well, and it, it really actually wasn't like the ultimate highlight of the film. So there are a couple things I actually really did like. I like the concept on paper of like the little shadow world where there's no there's no actual color. And then their light, their their weapons illuminate mm-hmm. things from the effects of their weapons, which mm-hmm. is a really cool concept. And you could have done so much with it. They did very and, little. And they, they did basically nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad because there's so much potential there with selective color. And, and most of the time, you know, a lot of people um, in the cinema community really like hound pretty hard on selective color because most of the time it's used incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And this was this was definitely a moment to where they could have really because they have the budget to be mm-hmm. able to do it right. And they didn't, which was unfortunate because like yeah. I, like whenever I saw the trailers and I saw that they're like clearly fighting in a black and white world. I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh, that's going to be pretty cool because I know this is like Thor is meant to be very colorful and yeah. and bombastic. And 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 up to that point, I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty cool. And then it kind of happened. I was like, well, that was that was that that was the thing. <laughs> well, I the the I'm trying to remember what the very first pop of color is. I think it's when Jane uses uh, yeah, Molnir. Yeah, I think something. so, yeah. But yeah. like when that happened, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like Ooh, okay, here we go. Yeah, oh, here yeah. we go. This is where we're gonna go with this. We're yeah. about to have like everybody's gonna be doing their own thing and, and then the colors different colors and maybe, yeah. you know, yeah. and then it just doesn't happen. And I'm like, okay, it's still black and white. Any day now, any day. Yeah. Uh, Anything now? It's good. And maybe they end it with they didn't. All right. Wow. <laughs> oh, we're leaving. So okay. So, okay. So the other, the other, the biggest nitpick that I have is I feel that the further we get into the MCU, the the closer we are getting to the Star Wars prequels of just green screen, green screen, green screen, green screen with no actual sets. Hmm. So like if you go back and and say what you will about the film itself, Dark World was not a good film by any means, but they had a lot of fantastic set design like that were physical real sets yeah. that were mm-hmm. there and they used traditional like like blue screening and everything mm-hmm. like that to to help 
you know, augment that, but they still had the physical sets there. And it made a big difference because the movie still felt very tactile and it felt like there was actually something there for the actors to to act with. Mm -hmm. And the further we've gotten into the MCU, it is now just turned into just this CGI fest for every single scene where they're just like, oh, look at look at what all of our renderers can do. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, cool. But the poor actors are literally sitting here in, in a in a vast sea of green and they have nothing to act against <laughs> yeah. because there's literally nothing there. And they're yeah. like, oh, we'll fix it in post. And half the time yeah. they're not even wearing the, the, their the, stuff, the armor. Yeah. They're just covered in marks. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, and whenever I see stuff like that, it's, it, it's very disheartening because there are certain things that you just can never replicate mm-hmm. from a CGI set. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just can't get that feel of having the things there. Well, that does require a very commanding performance to rise above Ooh. such a set design. <laughs> wow, look at that segue. Oh, you know, you did it. I, I had it there. <laughs> I had to take it. So the real question is, did they provide a commanding performance? Joel, you want to kick this off? Yeah, I'm no. going to kick it off, and we are immediately dipping below the seven <laughs> line. I gave it a six. Okay, not very so far. Not, not very far down. Uh, Chris Hemsworth's Thor is... is kind of the bare minimum phoning it in kind of performance, right? Like he is, he's just shooting from the hip with all of his lines is the way it comes across, mm-hmm. right? He's him both or it's fine. And you know, that's the character they want to portray and that's fine. It just, it does not sh- bring any technical mastery or range to the screen and to mm-hmm. the experience. Um, I very much enjoyed uh, Natalie Portman's performance. I thought that her flip-flopping between, uh, again, the bombastic, I'm hiding from my problems, and I very much enjoyed Natalie Portman's performance. Flip-flopping between, again, the the very bombastic, I'm hiding from my problems sort of presentation, where mm-hmm. she knows that she doesn't have enough time to take things slowly and get things right, so she just throws herself at everything right away. Uh, and, and then flipping back to where she's forced to acknowledge the fact that she's dying and, and is, is trying to deal with that as best she can. And I, I really enjoyed that. And I wish that we had more time to focus on that because mm-hmm. I think that was the, the really compelling part of at least the hero's side of, of the, the whole story. Uh, and then again, um, Christian Bale's presence for Gore was magnificent, Yeah, but I think think the directing choices for his character really held him back. Okay. Is All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to go. Yeah. 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 All right. So I also gave it a six. Okay. Um, and so Christian, I, I thought Christian Bale, uh, he, he has very much a big like screen presence. Yeah. Um, cause he definitely, he has like the, the kind of like menacing gaunt face that just, just works with those kind yeah. of characters. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and we all know he was willing to lose a little weight for this role. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He, he is. He is. Um, you need very, somebody to lose or gain weight. Call Christian Bale. Yeah. 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 He's very much a method actor in that sense. And um, uh, I thought he did a really good job. Um, I actually. So I know you kind of mentioned it earlier uh, when he was with the kids mm-hmm. and, and like he just ripped the head off something that I couldn't see on screen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> had golden eyes. That was about uh, as much yeah, as yeah, I got. That's too. A, yeah. As much it was as a got. shadow worm. Yeah. Sure. Ish. Thing. Uh, but sure. so I actually thought that scene was pretty good. Like it was pretty. I was like, oh, this, I liked is, it this is pretty kind of scary. It's yeah. it's a different kind of scary than just like the cold creeping. Well, it's, it's a so it's the first time that we hear him speak 
after his character setup sequence. Correct. And so we've gotten, well, actually, that's not true. He does say some things to Thor Thor, during uh, the fight, but but that's mid-combat. Yeah, it doesn't really count. A different tone. It's not just dialogue. This is the first time we see his mental state. Yeah. Yes. And it is so dramatically changed. This is not a, a man who is resigned to, well, this is what the world is, and I'm just going to inflict as much pain as I can before I die. Yeah. Um, this is a maniac, mm-hmm. right? And so we know that the sword is supposedly corrupting him, but we don't get to see any of the steps on, along the path. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's zero to 100. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so that that is totally a plot thing. We will get to that. Um, <laughs> however, uh, his um, his final scene, whenever he he basically like, oh, yeah, has accepted his death, that was and, great. Like, and you're like, ah, this is the Christian Bale that yep. I know and love mm-hmm. yep, yep. Yeah. because like he you just see the despair on his face mm-hmm. and um, and and obviously the the relief that his daughter is back. Yeah. Um, and, and he, you know, it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then kind of going off that, um, the, probably the main reason I gave it a, a six was more because he was like the lifting. He lifted it mm-hmm. up. Right. Um, was <laughs> I, I love Natalie Portman as an actress. She is not. A comedian um and she <laughs> no. has, she does not deliver and i understand that she was like that they were joking at the fact that she was like not very good at the superhero mm-hmm. kind of um persona kind of thing yeah but even then like it was pretty bad <laughs> um and i she's a fantastic actress amazing mm-hmm. drama like if you've never seen black swan oh watch black swan go watch it just go yeah. watch the live action version of perfect blue and it's great <laughs> yeah. and um but uh, but seriously like and then Chris Hemsworth was just felt like he was phoning it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know if you could count like any of the other characters besides Valkyrie as like anyone having any weight. Ha- having any kind of weight because like you had some cameos like with the Guardians mm-hmm. of, Guardians and stuff. And yeah. You can't even really count that as like any kind of performance. Well, score. I mean, I mean, you have Taika Waititi, who was the entire film and he, also he, yeah. co-starred as a rock person. He, I so. mean, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. He just plays himself. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't play a character. It's just oh, it's just Taika Waititi just doing a narration. There yeah. we go. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in on that. Yeah, go ahead. I gave it a seven. Oh, mostly because Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Did he, he lifts the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he must have a lot of back pain. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. And I do think Portman does a good job with the dramatic, the dramatic side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dramatic side of it. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. she nailed it. Yeah, the the comedy side. I, I would agree. She's not a comedian. Uh, Hemsworth. So it's it's worth noting, right? So he is the last of the big three. Big three mm-hmm. still working for Marvel, right? Yeah, because Chris Evans is gone. Robert Downey Jr. is gone. gone. So he's been here mo- at this point the longest because we're gonna have another th- Thor will return right at the end. We're gonna have another yep. Thor movie of some kind. So he is still going through this. And I almost wonder if they've reached kind of an agreement of, well, we wanted to keep somebody here. He's like, oh, I'm just going to pull like, that paycheck. If, if you make it easy for me, well, look, man, I don't I don't want to get too overly emotional. Like, let me let me laugh and joke and have fun. Well, that's that's the the news around Ragnarok. Right. When it came mm. came out was that he was he was tired of playing the character. He was yeah. done. And and Waititi said, OK, well, we'll just we'll make the whole thing a joke and you can just do whatever you want. And he's mm-hmm. like, cool, I'll do that. Yeah. 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 I, I do worry because that's going to like, like we are kind of getting baseline. Thor, like what what we need there, there needs to be more there yeah and some of it is just at this point you know well, we just backed off of him right we're not going to put any pressure on him to do a lot of the work uh, sorry I, i'm just going to interject here 
Um, I, I will say that um, uh, his performance in this is not indicative of his acting skill. Because, no, it's not. Like, no, yeah. in Ragnarok and Infinity War and Endgame, he honestly did an amazing yeah. job. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, just to interject again real fast, because I don't want to, but like Thor, this is one of the weaker portrayals of Thor that Hemsworth has done recently. Like, so like you're saying, Ragnarok and the other ones, like, I feel like he was better at being quippy, funny Thor. And I wonder if it's not because he had better people to play off of maybe. Mm -hmm. And in this movie he had, you know, like they, for whatever reason, and that may be more into plot, but like the writing of it, maybe he didn't have as strong of a person to bounce off of like Mark Ruffalo or, you know, uh, Tom Hiddleston, maybe he had mm -hmm. Natalie Portman and that, well, something about that didn't work. I don't mm. know. Yeah, we we can we can revisit that. I was say, that was that was actually my last point. Was oh, sorry. I my feel bad. like we really felt the lack of the snarky Loki. Uh, the mm. the the fact that there's no foil mm-hmm. in this one makes it a big problem because Thor, as presented, becomes really overbearing really quickly without the constant pseudo equal that is loki to mm-hmm. undercut him right and to to have the snark or make the face to the camera while he's going you know this kind of thing and uh, we already kind of went this portman's not really a comedian she she maybe struggled a little to play off of that and i don't think valkyrie gets enough scenes to have a chance to be that mm-hmm. character and then you have taika waititi as himself kind of trying to be that but he's almost more of a straight man well he's just, just a bro mm-hmm. you just don't have the the snark foil that loki has been for so many movies and i think it's, it's hurting for that so yeah 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 ryan i'll jump in i gave it an eight. Oh, oh because of christian bale yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought christian bale was great i think the opening scene gave it an eight for me alone just oh, where I mean, he's yeah, his daughter yeah without saying anything oh yeah mm-hmm. and with, you know like just the, the his whole like the intro scene was just like well, oh boy you well because we go into that scene and i'm like oh I'm I'm ready for this. Mm-hmm. Like this is yeah. this is going to be a oh, good. We gotta oh, go hard. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, it was just that. Got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was so. But I think I don't, I don't repeat everything. But I think Natalie Portman did fine. I think they could have the the thing I'll go back to is they could have done more with someone as talented as Natalie Portman. Yes. Yeah. And explore again her character and what's going on with her more. I think Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. If we could have gotten more of her, that'd have been yeah. good. Yeah, she, That's basically she got the, basically like maybe five minutes of actual screen time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and same thing with Christian Bale as Gore. Like I think, you know, like you're saying that his, um, you know, that's the first time we get to really hear him speak is mm-hmm. with the kids. I wonder how much was left on the cutting room floor of like things that did happen before that, yeah. that yeah. for some reason they cut out. Because I think I heard that the first cut of this movie was like four hours long. And then they knocked it down to what it is now because they just had every single joke and every single gag. <laughs> oh, in it. Gosh. And it was like, but I'm like, what did you cut out to put this stuff in there? Because like, is there more yeah, scenes with fighting her? Is there more scenes with, or, yeah. or like Bale sitting, like, can you imagine Bale sitting by himself quietly and he still has the sigils on him? And he's cutting and he, them off. He starts to remove yeah. it and he's talking to it. Like, what kind of like that? You want to talk about one, the transition, but also just how chilling a scene that can oh, be. Oh, yeah. That would be like, great. Ooh, I do want to give yeah. a special shout out to Russell Crowe as an Italian Zeus. I, I had a very hard time understanding him. I, I was waiting sure. for like Adam Sandler to pop out behind me, like you're not gonna juice. <laughs> and like, it never happened, and I was like, wow. And so I, I think Russell Crowe, though, I laughed a lot during that just because how ridiculous it was. I'd like to watch it again to be like, was this actually funny or was I just like, what is happening? <laughs> what is going, yeah. on, what is going right on? Do um, I have a fever? Yeah. <laughs> well, also, also a nice shout out to um, to our our favorite Loki. That isn't Tom Hiddleston, which is uh, Matt, Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think the performance there is good. That's going to come up again for me in plot. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, like it was great. 
but I, I mean, it's Matt Damon. He's an amazing actor. He's a great cameo actor. Yeah. Continue. Oh, I was, was going to say, <laughs> to justify my eight was Christian Bell was great and that there were some fun side characters like uh, Russell Crowe and like Matt Damon and stuff yeah. who like was like, okay, that's good. And I, I think it's more of a theoretical eight of like, if we could have gotten more with Jane, <laughs> if we could have gotten more with these people, it would have been like a nine. Yeah. But since we didn't, I got to knock it down, but then Bale brings it up. And, yeah. You know, so that yeah. was gotcha. where I landed on that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about some score. Score of the score. I'm just going to go ahead and kick this one off. Go for it. Uh, so I gave the score a seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that the, the lightning in the bottle that happened with, Guardians of the Galaxy being able to use a bunch of popular 80s classic rock music is mm. nice and awesome, but yeah, please just stop it. Just keep it in um, that f- film series. It's the the problem with it is is that it one, it's easy and it, it's it's kind of cheap mm-hmm. because all you're doing is you're just like, oh, I like Sweet Child of Mine. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll I'll listen to this while I'm watching a, a you know an action film. Why not? Yeah. And that's basically like surface level as far as it goes. Because like, like it's it. I feel like there is always or nearly always a place for that to establish a specific tone very early in the film. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like you, you, we are presenting this action sequence to you, but we're giving you this, this ridiculous piece of music over the top of it to juxtapose the two ideas mm-hmm. to let you know that the rest of the film is going to be this way. This is how you should interpret our action. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I mean, clearly they just had, they, Axl Rose really wanted them to, to use his music. <laughs> he wanted some money. Or, yeah, or he just, you know, they just <laughs> paid him a lot of money because the whole thing is just Guns N' Roses, which I, you know, I've listened to my fair share of Guns N' Roses. I'm not the biggest fan. They have a couple songs that I enjoy, and that is about as far as I go. Mm-hmm. And after hearing those basically two songs of the whole over film. Over and over. I'm good. Like, yeah. I don't need to listen to this anymore. And yeah. um, so Michael Gishino's um, score, like actual BGM mm. track, it was fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was better than No Way Homes. Because you yeah. could actually hear it and it was there. <laughs> well, and he had like some themes. Yeah. That, like he kind of came back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, nothing like overly crazy, but I mean, mm. it was it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop. Stop using popular music in MCU films, please. I'll, gonna, I'll jump in there because oh, I'm going right. to just kind of like play off some of what he said. I gave it also a seven. Um, the least favorite part for me was the Guns N' Roses songs. Yeah. Because like. <laughs> I feel like they didn't fit. Whereas in Ragnarok, Immigrant Song is talking about going to Valhalla and like doing all this mm-hmm. like stuff. Yeah, it's a they, perfect Viking song. It's a Viking song. And it they only used it, I think, twice in that movie. Mm-hmm. And when they do, it's awesome. And it hits. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. In this, they just kept playing Sweet Child of Mine. And they kept playing like, you know, like uh, the one like part of November the Rain. And, and then I was like, so what do these songs have to do with anything that's mm-hmm. happening in this movie? Like tonally, it didn't like fit. It just felt like, I don't know what's some other popular music we could throw in here. And I think too, uh, like the, the Ragnarok soundtrack was very like synth wave, like Mm -hmm. 80s and all the posters for this made it look kind of like it was going to be be the same similar. Yeah. Yeah. And so the whole way through, I'm like, there's not really a lot of like, you know, synth wavy sounding stuff in this. It it definitely. And when we listen to like the actual BGM score, yeah, it has more of that like rock tinged Mm -hmm. GNR, but it's like GNR light. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Really, like there's, yeah. there's guitars added into stuff, but it's not like 
good necessarily. But, <laughs> but the, like I do like some of the the musical cues and themes that he 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 wove into some of the stuff. And yeah. th- there's some of the more serious moments where I think it like the music worked and it like really led, especially with Christian Bale, you know, his performance. Like the the music in that scene was like working for it. It just overall like the popular mu- music part of it felt just like the jokes in most of this movie. They just fell flat. It didn't connect. It wasn't like thematically important to what was going on. Yeah. Joel? Well, I also gave it a seven. And <laughs> wow. surprise. I don't really have anything new to add other than even though the just the shotgun approach to throwing guns and roses at you mm-hmm. every other minute is egregious. <laughs> it did set up the situation where they do the change up and they hit you with Inya and then you chuckle at that, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So, true, true. <laughs> so I just wanted to point that out yeah. and say that there's silver linings in 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 every cloud. <laughs> <laughs> and also possibly some thunder and lightning. Ooh. Oh. I also gave it a seven. Well, wow, I shocker. Uh, Consensus. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I have a ton to add here other than this really, really felt like they sat down and said, well, what's hot right now? Well, Stranger Things made 80s cool again. <laughs> Top Gun is going to come out whenever we release too. So like 80s are going to be popping up. We should make this 80s themed. And there is nothing else in the movie that would connect. You know, if you just had Star-Lord introduce Thor to this music in a scene and then he's just hooked, like, he's like, well, these are all these great bands. And then Thor just fixates on Guns N' Roses. And then Guns N' Roses shows up a lot. I'm fine with these that choices. That would have been incredible. That right? would have been great. That yeah. would have fit. Mm-hmm. Everything would have been... You yeah. gave me no justification to be like, hey, it's time to to rock and we're actually going to play, you know, rock. Yeah, like why he has, like, you know, like the, the leather the leather vest on. Yeah. And yeah. Like, give us some level of justification. Because again, maybe it was on the cutting room floor. It could have been. <laughs> but, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Reaching back, reaching back to the start of this, it was part of the movie it was part of his character his identity i mean they even you know open the movie with him singing the opening song like he's yeah. he is the song essentially that you're listening to like it was immediately connected in and this never had that so that that hurts a lot yeah yeah all right so plot 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 <laughs> all right <laughs> joel silence here yeah no one wants to take okay this first. all right i'll give you plot of five Okay. Um, and the the biggest like there's a lot of individual nitpicky problems that you can you can come at this with, right? You've got the imbalanced character arcs out of your ostensibly main characters. Uh, you've got kind of a hopscotch run through the different parts of Gore's arc, which is is not fulfilling really mm-hmm. you needed um, like maybe two more like real scenes in there i yeah, think just to, show yeah. some progression right yeah um yeah. as as he is hurtling towards his own demise and and different levels of corruption yeah but you know all, all of that is just kind of kind of your 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 character arc writing and all that stuff but then there's so much of the plot stuff that revolves around how do you set up the conflicts? How do you set up the resolutions to the conflicts that given the setting is entirely wrapped up in the cosmology of the MCU? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is, what are the fundamental truths of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. Who are gods? What, what level of targeting, what do they actually do? How do they relate to 
the Eternals and Celestials that were also introduced into all of this, right? Yeah. Or, like, or, or do the, we go to like Moon Knight and where all those Egyptian gods who wait council, right. do are, they come from that party? Are, are the they, yeah, right. Like, and so, <laughs> so you end up in a situation. Was Khonshu there? <laughs> yeah, like you end up in a wild in a situation where you you just you have no set of rules, right? Mm. You have no idea how the universe works, and therefore, when someone says, "Hey," this is the conflict, this is what's going to happen, and, it, and it's because of this, this, and this, which are things you've never heard before, then you're just like, okay, yeah, sure, I believe you. And then they're like, this is how we fix it. And they lay name off three other things that you've never heard before. And they're just like, everyone knows this. And you're like, well, I don't, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. obviously we would do blah, blah, and, blah. Like, and, what's blah, blah, blah. Everything in the MCU for the rest of time is going to have this problem if it is not a uh, contemporary time scale Earth-centric story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The further you go out, the less impactful the conflicts will be. So, okay. So here's a question because I didn't see Eternals. It was like eternity, like the thing at the end where it guarantees the wish. No, or it has whatever. nothing to do with the Eternals. Nothing to do with it. Okay. Um, he is, that- he, he, it does by the, and this is solely looking at the character design of, of eternity. Okay. It looks like he's the same order of being that the watcher is. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know who that is, but what um, if? from what it's if from the what if series? Gotcha. Um, so, but has <laughs> has, etern- yeah. <laughs> has eternity been mentioned at all no, anywhere no, else no, ever? No. Okay, totally, gotcha. totally brand new concept. The the uh, the the necro sword, totally new. And uh, that was fine. Like, everybody, I, I, but the, well, it's not fine because every character in, instantly knew what it was. Yeah, and that's yeah, a big like, oh, problem. Got the necro you have sword. you yeah, have to have if it is a concept that the audience does not understand then you have to have some character not understand it. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. the audience is just left in the dark. It's the long-forgotten relic that everyone's heard of. Right? What? Yeah. 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 Well, I would say, to compare it again to Ragnarok, in that movie, you have, uh, I can't think of his name now, but the crown of the dude that's going to cause Ragnarok, that's mm-hmm. going to destroy the thing. At the very first scene, you establish, he says to Thor, if I can get to the eternal flame, I'm going to you know, destroy Asgard, that's it. And that's the conflict that then at the end, when Thor does that thing, you know what has yeah. to happen is that yeah. we got to get this crown into this thing and we're going to mm-hmm. destroy Asgard. Like yep. we're going the nuclear option. But you know the stakes because it's been explained to you that like this is what's going to happen if this cataclysmic event, ha- you know, yeah. s- set of circumstances comes to play. This never does that. Like in, in the yeah. whole movie. We, like We get a little bit of it with the initial conflict right the opening conflict is kind of oh we had gods and then they they went away and now we're only have turmoil and strife, and then it's yeah. just oh now we have a ton of gods dead and and what does it mean don't know didn't look at it don't worry about it we'll yeah. cover it in a tv series in a few years <laughs> yeah now i did want to to say one positive thing and that was the way that the climax resolved mm-hmm. right it did not resolve in thor beating up gar a big cgi yeah. right? fight it or- was it was gore, gore, gore. Gar's yeah. like a fish. Thor, gore. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I'm gore on board. the God butcher. Yeah. Uh, but it, it resolved through dialogue. Right. And that mm, yeah. is to be able to do that is a superior experience. Yes. Um, 
it still had a lot of problems in execution because Thor did not seem to give up any of his power to replicate his power in all of these kids, which is a huge logical problem in every other instance where Thor There's shows a, up. Why do we not just have a whole horde of right? Thor children running around? Why didn't around? he do that for the Avengers? Just give, her, give everybody Thor powers. Right? Why I mean, Zeus is lightning bolt that lets him do it? Who knows? We we just he just does it. All these shadow monsters in Asgard. Thor's just like, hey, everyone here, you're yeah. empowered. Let's go. Give yeah. Korg the stuff. Could, give anyone yeah, Thor could powers. Could he not just like give it to like like everyone in Asgard to fight Hela in right? Ragnarok. So, right, like, yeah, yeah. He like are all of his anybody. friends. So like you could say that each one of them ends up with a tiny fraction and he has to give up almost all of it to do it, mm -hmm. right? Like if you make it have a huge cost, yeah. then he is no longer sufficient to overcome Gore and, and Jane, has, and to Jane has to show up mm -hmm. in order to, to make him but victorious. They didn't, they didn't make it yeah. And then when out. it gets to the end, when it gets to eternity, he isn't physically capable of stopping Gore. Whereas at that point in the film, as it was presented, Gore no longer has his source of power. Thor yeah. is still fully charged. And then he's like, no, you won. It's like, no, just punch him. Punch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, the stakes of all that were just so like, yeah. And, and it's definitely one of those things too, where like, if they went that route, they could have, they could have, you know, like there was no descript amount of time, how long their, their child mm -hmm. powers would last. And, you could, you know, like one one way to look at it is, oh, you know, he gave them just just enough. And basically the amount of power that, that they can hold is um, proportionate to their size of their body. So <laughs> he gives them a very small amount of power, but it is amplified a lot because they are a very small child. That, that would be awesome if that had ever been explained. Right. Um, well, OK, so what's interesting here is that it is at least operating on a rule that was established in the first Thor film. And that is the inscription on Mjolnir, which is an enchantment, mm -hmm. right? Placed there by Odin. Um, and when he gives his powers to the children, he is reciting the same enchantment. Um, so uh, if, if, if anyone should wield this weapon, be he worthy, then he shall wield the power of Thor. Mm -hmm. It's something like that yeah. along yeah. those lines. And in the first movie, what that enchantment does is it takes away Thor's powers. Because he's not worthy. But in this film, both for Jane and for the kids, it grants his powers. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, that's okay for Mjolnir, because we've already established that it's super magic, right? Yeah. But we have never established that he knows anything about runic magic or to be able to create enchantments or any of that stuff. <laughs> or or transfer to... his power. Right. To yeah. Anyone. So like, it's yeah. just super weird. Well, I mean, if, if you're capable of doing this, then you never go to the city of the gods because we need an army. Oh, Hey, you're all here. I right, gather around everybody. Come yeah. on. We're going to go on an yeah. adventure. You know, like problem yeah. solved. Yeah. There's, there are a lot of problems. Somebody else throw a score out there. Ryan, Ryan looks like he wants to talk. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a four. Okay. Okay. Um, my my thing was plot wise. There again with the tone switching and stuff. I feel like the movie cutting between certain scenes felt like jarring, and I feel like there needed to be more scenes with Gore, more scenes with Jane to kind of like flesh all that out. I feel like there's a lot of moments where the plot like just people just know things like mm -hmm. eternity no one knows where it's at except for gore figured out because he found the one journal of that one dude that was that, that, that we was, didn't that see. was all over the place in um dr yeah. strange multiverse of madness yeah. too mm -hmm. but then same, thor same problem uses zeus's lightning bolt as a bifrost because reasons and knows exactly where to go 
And and then Jane just also somehow knows and where then Jane go. uses Mjolnir. No, 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 uh, no Valkyrie's, she, Valkyrie's horse. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which they, again, they at least referenced earlier in the or, yeah, film that, that to tell you that it could it do could that. do that. Yeah. yeah, but then again, did y'all have a GPS to this place? <laughs> yeah. like, how did everyone just know how to? Get, it's like they just had to get there, and then it, it, it was, was like really all, all of them had previously found the dagger and went I to the just moon about to make and the had lined it up. <laughs> End of Rise of Skywalker yeah. all over again. Well, and then Heimdall has a son all of a sudden. Why? So we can have like this whole thing mm-hmm. where like Thor can like you know see and travel and stuff, and yeah. that felt weird. Of like okay, and then um. I don't know the, the 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 thing with like Jane and her um you know cancer stuff I feel like the the plot and the way it was structured didn't ever put enough weight on it this is kind of what I was talking about before the spoiler wall of like I wanted to see like a whole movie with her struggling with that yeah she wasn't that. she wasn't dealing with wrapping up anything in her life she wasn't dealing no. with any of her relationships it was entirely based on how her state of health affected thor yeah and, and, and that, when we're talking about relatable right we destroyed asgard i can't relate to that yeah well suffering from cancer yeah right right we're, we're in real real at this point because you know everyone in this room know someone mm-hmm. that yeah that had or or passed away or passed of cancer. away yeah, yeah. I mean, like, e- yeah everyone is familiar with this fight so this is super relatable and we get these little snippets and they just yeah. won't they won't feed us the whole thing like come on well stop, and like to contrast little... it with guardians the first one like mm-hmm. my mother passed away from cancer when i was 13 and watching peter quill oh, deal yeah. with his mom oh yeah i was a mess in the theater when <laughs> i saw the first guardians and like that scene has always stuck out for me as like, wow, like this mm-hmm. movie like really hit on that level. Yeah. Mostly because of my personal experiences, but like probably because it was just really well it done. Was, I mean, you know, well, it, they, it is they gave it's a good scene. It, they gave it the an amount of time it needed right. to breathe to launch the story. And, and I, I haven't read the comic runs that, again, they mishmashed to, to put together for these. I've read part of the, the Jane uh, run, but like yeah. the general idea is that like one run dealt with gore you know, and like that whole story played out. And then one run was like Jane. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of the comics fans who are mad at this adaptation are like, you didn't give us enough of either. And yeah. you did it again, all in service of just Thor, who again, for the plot, this is kind of a, a theme with all the Thor movies. Every movie is how Stella got her groove back. It's like the first movie, <laughs> he's not worthy. And then he learns and now he's got the hammer. Yeah. And then in, I can't remember what, what happens in Dark World enough, but I'm sure he gets his groove back at some point. <laughs> <laughs> he probably gets Jane back or something. And then in like Ragnarok, again, he gets knocked down a peg, gets put in check. And then he, you know, get, mm. finds everything at the end. And then in Infinity War, <laughs> you know, and he always gets like, Knocked down well, and then Thor comes back. And mm-hmm. this movie's the same way. Like Thor starts off and then like he's got to like find his way back Cause, to... Because that's the thing is like be, when you have these characters that are essentially just gods and they, yeah. they are immortal and they can just kind of do whatever because they're just magic, you need, to, you need to find a way to sideline them long enough to, for the plot to actually happen. It was, yeah. it was a fun note to show how much more powerful Thor was than basically everyone else that he ran into because yeah. elsewhere in MCU projects, you just don't really have any sort of sense of power scaling. Right. Right. Yeah. And so in this film, they did at least do a good job of showing very dramatically in the opening sequence mm-hmm. of how, when Thor finally got off his butt and did something, then stuff got done because yeah. nobody could stop him. I mean, yeah. he's not very good at, 
damage control. Yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, the bad guys stopped. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at one point we were standing him alongside a guy with a bow and being like, "These are both Avengers." Yeah, and, right. and now we reach the point where like, okay, this dude is a one man army. Yeah, and there's everybody else. And then you had, and I, and I will say this: I enjoyed the theme of pseudo sentient weapons being enormous <laughs> power it, sources. You, you just took my point. <laughs> Okay, yeah. well, you, 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 you go. You go. Oh, no, no, okay, well, I gave it a five. Okay. Uh, but I was going to start off on a good note. Yeah. was um, my favorite humor um, outside of just the, the baffling thing that the, the weapons are now sentient yeah. is basically the, the back and forth between him <laughs> um, basically having to apologize to Stormbringer for <laughs> yeah. talking to Mjolnir yeah. um, and trying to, you know, trying to get back with his old buddy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and th- those got like genuine laughs. The, the best one is when he like figures out he can pick up Mjolnir again and then she walks away and it just slides, well, it slides slowly. Into into yeah. <laughs> that got me pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. Um, and, and that was a, honestly like a, a fantastic level of comedy. And I, I'm, I'm, that was w- definitely one of the more enjoyable parts of the film. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, what, what really like took it away from me was the film just has no, no consequences. Okay. So like, so we have these shadow monsters and stuff and they kidnap the kids and everything, but they're not once do we see the actual threat of these monsters because all you just see is these people just fighting them and they're winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like same thing with Thor, with Jane, with Valkyrie. They're just, they're just having their, you know, their big CGI fight and just killing them and no big deal. Mm-hmm. There, there's no Im- implied threat beyond the fact that these things can just randomly immobilize anyone at any given moment in time. Why didn't Gore just use that mm-hmm. all the time? Yeah, because yeah. like he could have just you know gotten Stormbreaker immediately. I guess if the the stakes and how any of it like matters is very sloppily, like, yeah, if at all explained. Like there, there's it's very hard to track. Like so, what's the stakes of what's going on? What, mm-hmm. Like it took me forever to figure out. Like what is Gore trying to do? So you know, so, and like why? Yeah. Well, so no, like, a lot of times whenever you see these action films and you have like these, I'll say like relatively more nameless monsters that you're just not used to seeing, mm-hmm. you need to have you need to have an example death of you need yeah. to have someone that is a no name character that you're even mildly remotely have an just idea just of who they are. Them, yeah. yeah, just yeah. red shirt, you know, Star Trek, and they just get brutally murdered in front of everyone. And now, you know, the threat level mm-hmm. of what these Absolutely. things are capable of doing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, and they have the, the huge problem. Like, well, we kidnapped a bunch of kids, time to act menacing to kids. And it's like, okay, Marvel, we're not, we all know that we're not going to just slaughter children on screen. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's just, it's right. not going to happen. I mean, like, Thor's daughter dies early from, you know, starvation and, and the, the collapse of society. It's not a brutal death. They're not going so, to do that to and, a kid. And there, was, and there was never any sort of acknowledgement that Gore was doing this to children, right? Because, right. like, that's his whole motivation. And so whether whether we see him justifying it to himself or conversely, we see him acknowledging that, that uh, him holding them is a bluff and he's not actually going to hurt them. Yeah. Right. Like either of those things would give us insight into his character that we just don't get. So yeah. another way to go about that is, so whenever they all get kidnapped, let's say that someone red shirt gets it. That is an adult mm-hmm. um, that also gets basically like they try and save the kids and they get dragged into the shadow abyss with them or whatever. And then they get caught in the cage and then Gore comes along and he's like, Hey, you're not supposed to be here. You're not a kid. I'm going to murder you in front of all these children. Mm-hmm. And, and then and, you have and, the Thor and now, vision. Yeah. And he's and, like, they killed such and such. Like, yeah. Oh, and Thor now, sees it happen. Yeah. 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 And yeah. now you have 
an actual realistic consequence of like this is what gore is capable of doing yeah because yeah. up until this point he's only killed gods and that and, and we've, as, only seen we, one. we've only seen one and yeah. that was because of vengeance for his daughter and there was really and the no guy other... really deserved it so yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. that one. We, we were definitely on gore's side at that point yeah yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's definitely one of those things where like but up until that point it's just gods and as far as I'm concerned a god is someone that is an, an immortal being that can just kind of do whatever they want and they probably need to be brought down a peg or two and especially in the MCU because there's clearly so many yeah and and with that kind of thing you know you need to have a real world consequence for for stuff to happen and they just never had that in this film mm -mm. because every any kind of actual threat was never actually a threat at all mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the only threat was cancer and we already knew the the inevitability of that yeah. so there yeah. we go well we also never get any kind of like like gore's whole thing is like these gods are arrogant and cocky and they don't care about their followers and then all we do throughout the rest of the movie is show gods be arrogant and cocky and not care about their followers <laughs> yeah even thor right. is like arrogant yeah and like you know and you're like so <laughs> who's the bad guy at one yeah. point i was like Wait, <laughs> i think gore is on to something yeah. i don't know like, <laughs> and i mean they, they 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 try to spin the narrative to be like well he he doesn't have the full picture and he's gonna kill other people who are not that way but we're not giving those examples. They never show us a god that's like yeah. doing good things. <laughs> yeah, and like oh. naturally. Well, they benevolent. don't. They yeah. don't. They don't even explain what a god is, what their place is in the order of right. of the universe, and what they do, and why their death is bad, and you know none of that. Yeah. Yeah. Steven? I gave it a six. Mm. I felt. <laughs> I felt like so. So my issue initially was I knew in my heart of hearts that I was being too kind, but. Until listening to y'all, I was struggling to find one thing to just grab a hold of and just hold on to and it. And so you were too kind. So I was too kind. <laughs> so Gore's plot and scheme with Thor is pure luck, right? It is. So mm -hmm. if the concept is, well, I need Stormbreaker to you open the pathway to eternity. Well, you fought Thor with Stormbreaker in Asgard. You don't need to kidnap the kids. Thor take Stormbreaker and throws it at something and then you take you, you it. grab it and run you, away you run away <laughs> I mean, clearly he has you, teleporting power he, ha, he, he has yeah. he, he's mm -hmm. gone from planet to planet he can teleport and and, and he any clearly anyone can just pick it up so yeah it, it can go to anyone yeah. apparently it's not does not have the same restrictions that Mjolnir has and later in the movie it's held in place with just shadow hands well he has plenty of shadow hands I mean I don't I don't understand. Like Thor throws this thing yeah, into the head see, of a monster. But you see, Stormbreaker was mad at Thor. And, and that's where the one comes in. The only way it yeah. works is because the now sentient weapon is having a lover's tiff with yeah. Thor. And now, well, you just got, you didn't, like, if he was pulling the strings in the background to create that, oh, we have another Thor. I wonder how we could play these off each other. Yeah. That's just we don't like get the that. Yeah, as yeah. ridiculous as that the, sounds, the, the mustache that, twirling that's, that's, yeah, is yeah, still yeah. an improvement. <laughs> what's what's the um, what's the bad guy from Inspector Gadget? Mad Doctor Cat? Claw. Doctor Claw. 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 It's just Doctor Claw, just like ooh, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everything for his scheme is just luck at that point, because yeah. for all he knows, he's not going to be able to wield it because he he hasn't even tried. He did he didn't try to pick it up. What if he tried to pick it up at Asgard or not at New Asgard, New Asgard and yeah. failed and now he has to come up with a new plan or we could have seen at that point the fact that maybe he 
discovered this journal that led him the way after killing some other god and we could have gotten that in another scene or just any plot development please i'm begging you the movie <laughs> was so fast and it was also so slow and yeah. i got two halves of the story that you didn't tell me anything about <laughs> <laughs> well i think you could have played up just the like maybe stormbringer and thor do have a falling out and he won't come back to thor when he's trying to call it and that's how gore just reaches out and snatches it or you know what i mean like there could have been any number of like comedic setups that lead to a scene mm -hmm. that explains how he's able to get it away from Thor that they didn't really Well, what's interesting do. too is for a lot of Marvel movies, we've almost seen the flip of kind of the hero's journey, right? Where we really look at the villain and the villains mm -hmm. cannot beat the heroes initially and they regroup and they come up with something. Loki does this a lot. He yeah. comes up with something new and now he has a way to win and now the heroes have to step up. Gore didn't do that. We did not get that kind of no. structure at all. Mm -mm. And we never got a remotely enough story to play off that structure. So that's that's really where the core of my complaint was going to be. And then you all, all keep bringing up other things. Yeah, it's, yeah. Because it's, it's one of these things where <laughs> they're like, well, how did we do this? Magic. And I'm like, well, that's minus two points. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to think about the magic system anymore because you've already told me there isn't one. Yeah. So I just don't, or, or oh, we time travel. Is this minus two points? And I'm not <laughs> thinking about what version of time travel you're trying to use because you didn't try to give it to me. I don't care anymore. So that's kind of where I landed. You know, that's a fun concept. Maybe at some point we should do uh, basically like the CinemaSins kind of um, kind of attempt where we just grade a movie and we we basically make a rubric of like negative points of, of, <laughs> and then what what actually gives you points back and then see where certain things no but it has to go up and down it, like it has and you can go negative yeah it has to be possible to go negative yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. oh time travel that's a paddling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just mad we didn't get a scene where Jane transforms into Thor for the first time. Yeah, I wanted to see that so bad. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, like, that would have been such a cool, like, and it's And it's, not, it's <laughs> not like it's confusing or unexpected. No. It's in the trailer. Sure, yeah. That, she, that that's going to happen. So, yeah. like... I, I will say I do like her. Well, this is more entertainment, but well, let's um, do it. Let's. I think we've, we've got all our plot scores out, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Do. Let's okay. do entertainment right now. All right, so entertainment, I gave it a five. Ooh, and, spicy. Um, uh, so, but good things first. Mm -hmm. um, I like the um, the uh, this this has a lot of like really weird plot um, relevant stuff. But I like the fact that she can like um, uh, make Mjolnir into a shotgun and just like have yeah. them all like fly that was around. Cool. And that was I like cool. that. Yeah. But then why can't Thor do that? It's his powers, right? Well, well it's, yeah, it's Mjolnir is right, right. broken, and and that that part of it is not coming from his powers. It's coming from the Mjolnir. metal that Mjolnir is made of. No, no but like. But like, why couldn't he just like put Mjolnir back together like she did? It didn't want. It to. didn't want to come to. We don't don't look at the magic system too hard. <laughs> yeah. But I'm again. I'm just saying. No, no, but, I agree. But, but the it was very cool for her to be able to like mm -hmm. break them apart and then they all kind of fly around and stuff. That was, <laughs> yeah, was pretty, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The first time that happened, I was like, ooh, yeah, okay. ooh. Uh, yeah. That was that was pretty cool. Um, again, I really like the idea. And the on paper of a shadow world where like only like the lighting effects from the weapons light it up and create color. Unfortunately, you just didn't go far enough with it. You should have you should have basically sold out for it. And that would have been a, a much better finale location than mm. um, basically the, the heroes losing location. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm probably gonna be the kindest one here. I gave it a seven. I gave it an eight. No, I didn't give it an eight. <laughs> I gave it a seven. <laughs> And I really just have negative things to say about it because I mean, at baseline, <laughs> it was mostly what you expect from the Marvel formula, right? And that has that has a a 
pretty hard floor at this point for entertainment. There, there's going to be some good humor. There's going to be some high points. There's going to be some cool scenes or set pieces or fights or whatever where you go, ooh, oh, look at that. Yeah. And man, did I have to wade through a lot of attempts at humor to get there. <laughs> and then there were some good gems in there. there. Like there the goats were, were fun. I, I know you didn't like the, the goats, goats, but I like so the goats. I, I like the goats made me chuckle every time. I, I, I admit I <laughs> laughed. At the I am goats. I am the only one here. The goats <laughs> because destroyed. it's because it's it's such a I don't know like it's it's a clever way to use world building in an unexpected way mm. because you've got these goats that are legitimate beasts of burden. They are actually useful. They do good things. They are plot relevant in their implementation, and they just have this one quirk that makes them. Uh, also a comedic piece. And, and you get a good point when they come into the, like, Zeus, like, they break the glass as they come <laughs> in, right? You, you yeah. get a, that's a good one. Yeah. But it, it ruined me because it literally made me question myself of how recent was the Screaming Goat thing on YouTube? <laughs> was that, like, that, that wasn't recent, right? That was old. I was like, I don't, I'm not going to be that person and take my phone out and look this up in the movie, but it, it bothered me and mm -hmm. stuck with me. And then it turned out, you know, it's like nine years old. Like, dude, you are slamming 80s nostalgia here. And then this is just 2010s, and I don't care about that. And also, we're slamming 80s nostalgia for no reason because nothing about this relates to the 80s. I was it's gonna just, say, were they? <laughs> time, no, no, they were. It's just time to jam out some Guns and Roses while yeah. we, you know, break out the old school KFC bucket. And no, no, that's a Stranger Things. Sorry, uh, let's try that again. <laughs> and it's just if you want to go that hard into that kind of musical theme, there has to be something to back it yeah. on screen, and there just never was. So those those couple of things really ruined my suspension of disbelief or really failed. Like it could have pulled me into this world, this maniacal, insane world where Zeus is Italian slash British. <laughs> and again, we're in another world where stab wounds to the gut are fine. It's fine. We're okay. Sternum. That was that, that was, was, a, that was, was center of mass. Well, well, I'm not talking about <laughs> Zeus. I'm talking about Valkyrie. Oh, okay. But we actually didn't even see where she got stabbed. I'm, I'm pretty sure. No, was, she says she lost a kidney. So it's just like yeah, she just lost a kidney. It, it was like, it was, yeah, yeah. torso. And they at least made it say, oh, I, I lost a kidney. And it's like, okay, well, there, that was some kind of And she's also like, you know what? I'm out, right? Like, yeah. So there's consequence to the injury. There, there's at least a little there. Of course, obviously, Zeus, there was yeah, no Yeah, but then they sidelined Valkyrie. We didn't need more, you know, like. True, true. Yeah, you, you could have had somebody else to develop something else or something. Like if her yeah. and Jane both had come riding in on her horse, I'd have been pretty down for Or that. especially <laughs> if it's like Valkyrie is still like hurting. She's just like, no, I'm, I'm just the transportation. The leaves yeah, I'm just know, the transportation. Yeah. 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 Anyway, someone else? I'm going to let Ryan take it. I'll jump in. I gave it a seven. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, the reason I gave it a seven, as many complaints as I have and I looked at my notes just now. We've covered everything. That I, that I was like, everything would be just a retread to talk about, you know, what I had for entertainment again. But I, I think at the end of the day, this is still an enjoyable movie if you can just turn your brain off and like eat popcorn, drink beer, whatever, like, and just enjoy it for mm -hmm. like the flashing lights, the yeah. goats screaming, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas I think there are genuine Marvel movies like Thor, The Dark World and other stuff that's just a bad movie. Yeah, that it's not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Iron Man three, and it doesn't great. make sense. And the plots, weird. you know what I mean? Like, not Marvel movies generally are like eight out of ten, you know. And I would say this is like a seven out of ten. That's what I gave it. You know, like it, <laughs> it is a step back from like I, I liked Multiverse of Madness better than this, but like probably because you much. like Sam Raimi. I love Sam Raimi. I am yeah, a you're, you're a horror fan, bit of a yeah, Raimi yeah. fanboy. So that definitely spoke to me. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I, I 
everyone in the theater I watched it with was laughing when I watched a lot of the jokes. So I think <laughs> the average person could enjoy this a lot more. Yeah. And I don't want us to come across like we're just trashing it too much. I don't think it was great. I think it definitely, like I'll repeat, had that problem of like, I went into Ragnarok with low expectations and was surprised. I went into this with high expectations and was slightly let down. Mm-hmm. I think if you just realign your expectations a little bit lower, you'll be fine. Yeah. It's yeah. still an enjoyable movie, but mm-hmm. the plot is frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also gave it a seven. Wow. I, I am the outlier. <laughs> yeah. And, and normally my enjoyment is a little more directly tied to the technical, the technical stuff. Yeah. Right. Cause like, I really care about how characters are treated and how their, their plot lines are laid out, but yeah. story time. So this film, the, the plot line for gore is, is identical to the plot line that of my wife's character in our last D and D campaign that I ran. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so she, deep cut. She was she was playing a uh, a warlock that made a pact with a magical sword, and her whole deal and the sword's whole deal was that they were wronged by gods and they were going to go on a quest to kill them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and the way the mechanism, the way by which they were going to do this, is they were pursuing access to an all powerful wish. Okay. Literally so, the so, same so plot. How, how long ago was this? Uh, this was, session? this was, uh, it started four years ago. So are you sure that Taika Waititi was, he was, in, he, was he was listening in, like in, he was listening in our discord session. That's yeah. exactly what was going on. We wrote this film for him. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole time I'm just sitting there enjoying the, the unintended references. <laughs> and, and that definitely elevated my experience yeah <laughs> nice so that's that's a a, a results are not repeatable yeah for every buyer. <laughs> so one thing i wanted to ask real quick is like do you guys think that taika ytt is just spread too thin now like to handle something like this and that's why like because like i, look, I, I, I guess up. i guess we'll see when he does star wars he's an ep <laughs> on what we do in oh, the shadows man. he's an ep on reservation dogs he's the ep of our flag means death he's the ep on wellington paranormal he's working on a new star wars movie he wrote and directed this movie he like mm. he went from like doing like a project every you know few years to like the man's involved in everything and maybe that's because the stuff he's involved is more high profile and i wasn't aware that he was like He's like a voice on Rick and Morty. He's like he, everywhere. He, and I'm he's like, definitely um, make money while you can, man. More I mean, power I'm to not him. Gonna, yeah. you know, yeah. hassle somebody for you know making money. Go for it. Do your thing. But like, is he? I wonder if his attention is just like Disney and Marvel. It's like it feels well, like it's too spread out, and they needed to like focus in on this movie to make also, it. Also, there's competing interests at play here, right? Because you don't know how many gyrations they have to go through to get Natalie Portman back to the MCU. Oh, sure. You don't know how many gyrations they have to go through to bring someone like Christian Bale in or to keep Chris Hemsworth interested. Yeah. And I think that that's where we end up with this kind of two storylines slammed together mm-hmm. where Gore could have very easily been a two or three movie villain, honestly. And if, yeah. if you told me, hey, Christian Bale is the villain for the next three Marvel, like sign me up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder the the kind of conversation they had with Christian Bale to get him to. Yeah. To hey, you want to be a Marvel? 
Well, yeah, I mean, but like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, he was Batman, so I guess it's okay. But I, I, I look at, I don't really look at him from the Batman films. I look at him from much more of like a serious actor. Everything else. Yeah. Everything yeah, else. Literally everything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so well, even, I mean, the, the Christopher Nolan Batman films were a transition of Batman from a more comic figure to, to a more a, serious a figure. darker, yeah. grittier yeah. Batman. It's 2022 <laughs> and I'm watching a darker, grittier <laughs> Batman. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, I probably would never watch this film again. There weren't even any parts of the film that I really would watch again, even on YouTube. I'd, no, whenever you just, it comes out on on Disney Plus, I will pull up the the credits and watch those. Again. <laughs> you'll, you'll just pull up the YouTube goat screaming like humans and be like, "Oh yeah, there's the movie." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, I, I will watch it again just because the theater I saw it in, the screen was way too dark and the sound mixing was terrible. So I would like to be able to like. Have an actual experience. Disney Plus it at home. Have a, a and just give it a second view to be like, do I still feel the same way? <laughs> yeah. I probably will. Um, yeah. Alrighty. I think on that note, that is all the time we have for this episode. Until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew, and I'm Joel. I was Ryan. You no, you still are Ryan. <laughs> I still am. Ryan. Sorry. Still are Ryan. You get, to, you get to keep that. I get to keep that. You're, I keep <laughs> the name. <laughs> still Ryan. You're not Delaney. You're Denley. Thank you for joining us is. for this episode. Thanks for having me. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as one dollar at Patreon.com/slash/SpoilersIntendedPodcast. We also have a Discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.